Episode number 12. Welcome. Um, we were back racing on the weekend and yeah. Um, Happy. Yeah. Um, hopefully uh, that's going to continue. Like there's restrictions easing. Um, and yeah, but basically like for West Australia, now we've just got to wait for Motorsport Australia to catch up um, because it isn't just a simple thing for us to just go, yay, restrictions are down. Um, for anyone racing on the Motorsport Australia, uh, they have to wait for them to give the go-ahead to have new numbers and spectators. So Yeah, I think right a lot here. of people didn't get that about the weekend, you know, like the... The event was amazing. It was it was really well run. The, it was good to see some good racing back, see some combined classes, um, and just so much good stuff on on the social media about it. And I just don't think the general public realised that the restrictions at uh, Wanneroo for the weekend were because of the regulations from Motorsport Australia, not the WA government. You know, WA we're really lucky we've sort of been in front of this thing. So hopefully yeah. we can put in for the next one. Um, I think it's July. 11? Yeah, July 11 and 12, it's the Tanda Cup. Yeah, so hopefully we can get uh, get them lifted a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so basically now it's just a case that we wait for, um, I believe the, the WA Sporting Car Club is going to be chatting with Motorsport Australia to try and get that lifted. Mm. And, of course, now it's all just to wait and see, see what happens. Uh, if they get it lifted, fantastic. If they don't, well, unfortunately, that's yeah, you know, nothing. That's the license they run under, so that's how they have to do it. So, well, and in all honesty, as well, like some of the restrictions in place and the way we had to do drivers' briefing and scrutineering and and stuff like that, um, and how how much more organised you had to be because you've only got one pit crew, you, 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 there's not as many distractions. Da 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 da. Man, it leads to a slicker event. So. Yeah, yeah. some of that stuff is a positive. So if people can be more organised with their paperwork and stuff all the time, man, we'll be able to get to McCracken House sooner. Yeah. So speaking as someone who actually can't go to McCracken House is our uh, young fellow that's joining us today, Luke Verzma. He, mm. uh, he's currently in drifting. He's got a background in uh, drag racing. And he joins us next for episode number 12. So, Luke, thanks for joining us. Um, I believe I made a bit of a stuff up in the intro. You've actually turned 18, so you are now allowed in McCracken House. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, turned 18 uh, yeah. in May, so. Okay. Yeah. So the downtime has been good to you then because you've been able to turn 18 You'll be able to return to the track and, you know, when you're in the podium again, you'll actually be able to get, you know, I think, well, they had Jackson Coke at one of the events that was being sprayed. Yeah, and, they did. Yep. So you actually be yeah. allowed to do that now. So, yeah, it will uh, be. <laughs> and you're legitimately allowed to sound like the Marlboro man. See, I, I don't even know what that is. I'm too young for that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the point where it all goes pear-shaped. Um <laughs> Look, 
you Luke, you um, have a background in drag racing. Yes. And you are now drifting. Yes, I am. Well, we when we get back to when when drifting starts up again. Um, tell me, how did you get started in drag racing? Uh, so pretty much I got started with drag racing. It came through my dad. He always used to be into the drag racing game like before I was even born. So he was um, he held the record for multiple years and it sort of passed down to me and I got into drag racing for six years. So since I was 10 years old. So I did junior drag racing and I was I was pretty good at it. So some of these trophies behind me here are from drag racing. So, so yeah. So what sort of car as a 10-year-old would you be racing? Like, What sort of power is behind it? And um, yeah, I guess for a lot of people that don't realise that, you know, the, the kids can go racing from that young age, you know, what sort of power is behind you when, you, when you're going down that drag strip? Well, so basically there's an, with uh, the class that we ran, which is junior dragsters, there's three classes, uh, C, B and A. So that's all dependent on age. Uh, you can start drag racing when you're eight years old, so very young, but that puts you in CJD, which is pretty much the slowest class, so the safest. Um, so normally, roughly, uh, when you're in CJDs, it's like 80 kilometers to the eighth mile, but then when you're getting up to AJD, it's like 130 kilometers, I think it is, from memory, in the eighth mile. So it gets pretty fast at uh, such a young age. So, yeah. That's cool. So what's been some of your, what's been one of your best results out of the drag racing? Um, probably my best result was up in Alice Springs. Um, I actually won the round there and got one of the most prestigious trophies you can get in drag racing, which is a Christmas tree, they call it. Oh, did, you, so, did you get a golden tree? I got a silver one. Oh. So, yeah, so no, that's oh, definitely... champion. Yeah, that's definitely one of my best performances, I believe, in drag racing. We so we've um, we've had some you know the, some young talent on here so far and you know and even you know the older guys and we've you know asked them about you know their first race and that and we've had some crackers you know like um, and I, I keep blaming Andrew Melkin for this one but it's actually Antonio Studi did this he uh, pulled <laughs> over in his first race uh, into the pits and uh, to stop himself being lapped so. Obviously, you're not going to get lapped while you're being in a drag race. Um, if you are, I think there's probably something seriously wrong going on. Um, but have you had a bit of a moment where you've gone, yeah, maybe maybe I don't want to be racing today or yeah, anything like that? Um, there was an instance that was quite dangerous for me. Um, this was It wasn't the best conditions today. It was dry all day, but... Pretty much as soon as I was about to go down to the strip, it started raining. And with slicks on a rubber surface, it doesn't go too well. So I was pretty much racing down the rain, going sideways closer and closer to a wall uh, in a really short wheelbase car, which was very dangerous. But luckily, I didn't get hurt or no one else got hurt. That was a pretty big wake-up call. Um, a little bit hesitant after that, but I got back in and continued to do it. To do it. So that be your, um, you know, you say you're a bit hesitant to jump back in. Would that have been your scariest moment in drag racing, that particular moment? Yeah, with juniors, it's very safe. So it's really hard to have like sort of like oh crap moments. It's like 
you pretty much just go from start to finish and you just slow down. There's, there's not the danger in junior dragsters is very minimal. Okay, that's good to know. Um, again, you know, some of our, our guests so far, you know, they've told us about their their oh no oh crap moments and you know how they just basically jump back in the car the next day or yeah. you know done something crazy the next day and you know, and it, it's yeah cool to hear that you know you've you've basically done the same with you know your water moment. Um, so you did six years drag racing. Yep. What made you decide? I've had enough of drag racing. I want to do something else. Um, it wasn't really an uh, option that I had. Sadly, there was an incident uh, involving um, a young girl uh, who actually died at the racetrack, which caused Junior Jaguars to be banned for a long time. So, I only had one more year in it uh, in Junior Jaguars. That was. And at that time, I was doing RC drifting, which is remote control drifting. And then we just saw a deal come up with a drift car, and we pretty much sold the drag car and bought the drift car in one day. So it's just sort of put on me, really. <laughs> yeah, a bit, yeah. Of, bit of fate. So is that the is that the car that you're currently uh, drifting? No, or so you... the, the car that we bought was an R32 four-door oh, uh, with an RB in it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love your thirty twos, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was our first car that we bought, um, and that was pretty much what I learnt to drift in. So, so yeah. how did you go Still about around. getting the skills to go drifting after spending the time in the uh, in the drag car? Um, so the first time I got my well, the first time I went drifting was drift school WA uh, through Ken and his school. So I learned quite a bit there. Uh, I'm pretty. My instructor was Danny Friend, and I'm still good friends with him today. Uh, so he pretty much taught me the basics of drifting. Then I got my own car, and that's pretty much the first time I ever drove a car, which was drifting. Okay. So you, yeah. So how did how did you go on your first outing drifting? Um, my first official event in my own car was a Matsuri. So in some cases it was good, in some cases it was bad. I did progress a lot in that two-day event, but then again, I felt like I was holding up like everyone up behind me. I was just a little bit scared, and for a, a Matsuri, everyone's just on kill mode, so they're just sending it super hard. So it was it was very scary for my first event, but I think it, it progressed me a lot. Yep. The um. Now, your dad being involved in motorsport uh, previously, uh, how did he take to you switching across to drifting, which I guess is seen sometimes, you know, by other categories as not being probably going to get shot for saying this, but some people think that it's not as skilled, but I think it's actually a lot more skillful than a lot of the other racing that's done. You know, you, you basically deliberately losing control of the car to keep control of the car. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird balance. Like with racing, you've got one specific goal is to get around the track as fast as you can and pretty much without going sideways. Uh, drag racing is just go straight as fast as you can. But with drifting, there's so many factors that involve with it. Just pretty much like there's so much going in your head in a small amount of time. It's quite hectic at certain point. Uh, seven points in time but it's it's a, a lot of fun it really is hmm. so step away from the track for a little bit yep. um 
obviously just turned 18, so you've been involved in motorsport you know, for now. This will be your eighth year involved. What are you studying at school? What were you studying at school? Um, so I pretty much, I would have finished school last year, but I dropped out halfway through year 11 and I went to TAFE to get my, uh, I got three certificates actually. So when I was in school, I was doing pretty good in school, but everything that I was learning at school, I didn't really want to do in my career. So I dropped down to go to TAFE and I've got three certificates, um, one in mechanical automotive, one with uh, body repair and then two with uh, what's called wiring with cars. So basically auto electrical. Okay. So what area, I guess obviously you want to be in automotive somewhere. What What is the aim for you? Uh, is, it, is it to be, you know, try and make a big time in drifting and go world circuit or is it, uh, you know, stay local, get a job and uh, eventually be like the old dude, you know, like Mr. Lux performance that, you know, tells everyone how drifting was better back in his day. Um, obviously I'd love to travel the world and be a professional drifter and that's my full-time job. That's always the dream for anyone that wants to go competitive uh, but sometimes you can look at the realistic things like getting a job, which um, I currently had a job until coronavirus. But um, obviously I am trying to put steps in place to where I can go to professional drifting and travel the world as a professional drifter. Nice. So what, yeah. what job did you have uh, before, the, before all this happened? Um, I was working at Wilkinson Suspension. So Brett Wilkinson, who's the commentator of the Jeff West series, I was working at his shop there. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Wilkinson, give him his job back if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll start a jobs for uh, motorsport competitors thing going on here. Oh, so, you crack uh, something there. So, what were you doing? Like, what was your actual job there? Uh, so pretty much I was packaging uh, all the like pretty much stuff to be sent out to customers. So pretty much if people had suspension or like anything that needed packaged, I did that and uh, put it through all like the postal offices and all that. But, you know, I actually enjoyed it. It was quite fun, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so are you looking for an apprenticeship now to continue on or what is that sort of what? Um, I think right now with how my career is going, I sort of want to get uh, just a pretty much just a job for now to get some money while to put into my yeah. career. Cause what I'm really focused on is shifting right now and trying to make it big in that I've currently got an, oh, almost two builds on right now. So the red S13, uh, that's getting built up to be in my practice car here in Perth. Then I've got my white car, which is putting the LSA engine in it to go over East to compete. So we've got a lot going on here. So that's what I'm trying to focus on so much, but we still need uh, money income. So on your drifting side of things, you're, you've done quite well the last uh, couple of years. What have been your results so far? Um, I've done, I've done all right. <laughs> so uh, first year, um, of D1 Debay, that's my first ever time competing. I got sixth in the championship in my first ever time competing out of four rounds, and that's when Mitch Liner and all that was around. So that was definitely a hard year to compete in, but I think I was the only car that wasn't running 265s and a V8 in the like top six, basically. 
So, but then in Jeff West, uh, which is my first year in Jeff West, um, I were, I got second in the championship, but I lost half my points in the first round. So if I didn't lose half my points, I'd have won the championship. But I'm hoping to back it up this year and go for number one spot. So, yeah. Now, I think um, you, were at, you took out a win, was it round one this year? Yeah, round one this year. Yeah, no, I had a really fun battle against Damien Bride in the finals. Yeah. yeah, so he, uh, I, I, I remember because I was there, but it just feels like it was last year. It was so long ago, um, yeah. there, and you know, I've actually got some really cool footage of uh, of your dad uh, wheeling tires around the pits and throwing them around, and then, uh, and then at the end, uh, someone doing a celebra- celebratory burnout and uh, going off the burnout pad the wrong way. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> did you get a bit of ribbing for that? Um, not necessarily. The reason why I went off is I couldn't see anything at all. <laughs> uh, fourth gear burnouts, just destroying the tyres. Just, yeah, I, I couldn't see anything. I had no clue where I was. <laughs> so, I just was a little bit too close to the edge and went off. So, But, no, Dad was happy overall, especially after hearing I got first place so he I didn't get too much of a copying for that but it was it's definitely a great event and I would do it again hopefully we can go back to it soon I think uh round two has been scheduled so fourth of July yes fourth of July wow. brother. just under two weeks time can't wait <laughs> keen of so course now with the uh well we'll see where the restrictions end up with um yeah, because it is a Motorsport Australia event uh, that it's licensed under. So we're just going to wait for them to lift restrictions on uh, competitors and uh, spectators. But hopefully that'll be done in time. Yeah. Um, good to get everyone back down there and getting covered in smoke and oil and everything else that comes along with a drifting night. Um, yeah. So who's who's been your inspiration in drifting? Like, Who have you looked up to? Uh, locally, nationally, and internationally, um, you know, to to try and either be be like them or to get tips and stuff off them. Well, obviously, the person to look up to locally here is Michelana, um, as he's probably the, one of the most successful uh, competitors in Australia and Perth. Uh, he's obviously done a lot of things that we all wish we could do: go to Formula Drift and do Drift Masters, etc. Um, so he's probably the more local person I look up to, but probably over the consistency and like awards, uh, obviously James Dean, as he wins pretty much every single thing he competes in. So obviously I watch him a lot and just study his driving style and try to implement that to my driving style to be more consistent and better every time I go out. Okay. Um, now Brent is our resident nerd. Mm. Um, he asks the most obscure questions. Um, now I think fair's fair, Brent. You asked the question of our last local guest. Oh man, I've got that lined up. Don't you worry. Yeah, about that. good. Um, you made yourself look like an absolute peanut asking that question. But uh, and I said that the next guest that comes on, you have to ask that same question. Oh, no, it's, it's in, make it's in it the fair. List. 
So, Luke, if you haven't heard the other episode, well, I'm sorry, mate, but you should have listened because then you would have heard exactly what we're going on about. But uh, I'm going to hand you over to Brent and he's going to have a bit of a chat with you and then uh, I will have a chat with you a bit later on. No worries. Uh, Yeah, no, I I like the um, technical side of motorsport and I like the competitive side of motorsport. And um, I think that's what got me hooked on drifting. I'm from, I've always done circuit racing, club racing. Um, had a lot of very good friends in New Zealand uh, that went down the drifting route. Um, you know, we always talk about the glory days um, back in the day, as Shane pointed out. But I don't think drifting was necessarily better in my day. It is far better now. The cars are so much better now. Like, and that, and that's what I try to in any committee meeting I'm in, anyone I'm talking to from the motorsport side of it that doesn't get it, and a lot don't because it is a judge sport. It's not a time sport. That's one thing that people don't get their head around. Um, but the cars are, um, man, they, they are sports sedans these days. Like, you know, you're, you're what we'd call a pro drift car. They are that high level. It's not funny. So um, tell us about your, your pro car. Um, just tell us what's in it, um, why the engine in it is better than an RB, um, et cetera. Okay, yeah, so currently we're running a LS, oh, sorry, we're running a L98 in it right now with 518 horsepower. Uh, it's in an S13. It's pretty much a fully tubed chassis, fully stripped. So pretty much to pro specs, it's got a rear mount radiator, uh, GK tech rear end, wide front end. But the reason we went to LS, mainly for Australia, that is, uh, the LS is uh, much more accessible because of Holden and all that. And they're much more cheaper to get parts. Uh, these days, all the RBs and SRs, there, I love them. I would, I definitely would want one again. That's why I'm going back to the SR in my practice car. But it's just finding parts to start to run out as they are a much older engine and they are all the parts do come from Japan. So it is hard to get parts and they are more expensive. That's why the LS is one of the cheaper and easier routes to go down to. People say reliability is another thing too, but you can make any engine really reliable just depending on how like you treat it really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so for those, like we've got a lot of guys that are traditional motorsport guys watching the show. So what Luke meant, um, the GK tech rear end is pretty similar to what I run in the circuit car. It's just basically a drop knuckle that gives dual calipers for you guys. I don't run the dual calipers and a heap of adjustable arms and the wise fab front. Um, it gives, gives incredible track, but, near was it 75 degrees of angle 80 degrees of steering angle yeah roughly around there yeah which is which is massive um but yeah the cars are the, the high level cars are sports sedans they the that engineered um and they've got that much power what gearbox are you running the white car at the moment uh so we're running a t56 it's a little bit upgraded as we have already broken two gearboxes in it so we're but we're running an s1 sequential uh shifter on top of it so is it's basically a back and forth motion, but I still to use clutch. Yeah. Ah, cool. Um, so following on from Shane's question, you came into drifting and you got to the front really quick. Like you, you didn't muck around. So um, there's a lot of techniques in drifting. It takes a lot to get really competitive really quickly. Like it's such an annoying sport because it looks like the good guys make it look easy. Um, but to, be that fluid it's not easy um and that's what gets you hooked on it so what give us some insight into what you've done or what you've learned to get competitive really quickly and if there's anything specific about the technique you use or techniques you use 
Um, so the original technique I picked up was off Ken. Um, he was pretty much the first one to teach me like the really like Japanese sort of technical side of it. Um, I really like that side of it, but for competition, it is a lot of work and it's sometimes not the most consistent. So I've sort of adjusted my driving style um, over a basically a year uh, just to live up more consistency and just more driving with the throttle rather than less in the hands. So the driving style that I go for is very similar to most competitors, uh, like European style competitors. Um, every drifting style is unique, but has its own similarities. So it's sort of hard to uh, differ driving styles from like someone like Japanese to pro and all that stuff. So it is, my driving style, like I, every time someone gives me opi like opinions or like advice, I always take it. I try it out, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does work, I'll obviously use that. So I always take advice from people that have been in the sport much longer than me. Yeah. So when you say the Japanese style, that's like the the Tourette's hand flick that sort of Ken does. You know, the, like the really loosening. It's not like a Scandinavian flick, but it's like the getting the front end a bit wobbly and then. Yeah, that big flick. Yeah, with the Japanese style, it's like a lot of hand movement and the throttle is constantly like you're trying to blip the throttle. So it's just basically on and off all the time. Um, I have taken some of those um, aspects of the Japanese drifting into my real life drifting uh, with like basically just doing like big entries and all that stuff. And then sometimes with I do a small little like uh, on and off on the throttle just to keep my like tire uh, rotations low so I don't just blaze the tires always. Yeah. So, yeah. And like you, you mentioned before, you're building an SR car for your practice car. Um, a couple of drivers that I really, really like, like Greaves, I think is really good at it. Uh, Mini is as well. I mean, he's, he's wicked at it. And uh, Redwood in New Zealand, um, driving massively powered pro cars, but still driving them like they're a 200 horsepower SR. So driving with that excitement, yeah, that, that massive commitment, but then somehow able to slow them up, um, which, yeah, that's that's a struggle there. Do you, to bring into that, do you use much left foot braking? Because you've also got such a massively powered car against a lot of smaller cars. Have you, do you use that as a bit of your craft now? Because, yeah. Um, it's, it's really depending on what track. I try, I am learning to do more left foot, uh, left foot brake. But on some certain tracks in here in Perth, you don't necessarily need it. But if you're doing like a long corner track, it is better to use left foot brake. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of spoiled in Perth. We're kind of in big, oh, at Barb's, you know, it's big and flowing. And yeah, um, yeah Greaves, can you left foot brake up turn four against a slow car? He just managed to cook. Yeah. Um, how did you, like, to get close in drifting, to get that proximity that everyone sort of is keen for, it is not, it's, it's so hard and to be consistent at it. There's some guys that are really good. Like Worrell's a good example of where, where he's good. Um, yeah. How did you get, cause that takes years. Like it took me, took me ages before I was even keen to get on someone's door and then to be able to keep be consistent. How did you get so good at that so fast? Was it from the, the um, not being afraid of the car cause you've been carding, uh, cause you've been um, drag racing since so young or was it from the, um, the remote control cars or was it from your E? If um, a set of courses stuff or yeah, um, so pretty much 
I, I don't know if it's still my age, but I really got like no fear when it comes to driving at all. I will send my car at 190 into cat corner if I have to. Like I've pretty much got no fear, which is sometimes a bad thing because I send it too hard. But I think just over like, I think every time I go out, I try to get more practice laps than everyone in. I just try to drive as much as I possibly can and use the time that I have to practice super hard. So every time I get behind the sea, I'm always having fun. I'm always super focused. But recently, um, pretty much a year into my drifting, I got a set of Corsa, which has helped me out a lot with just emulating cars and just seeing how the car works like door to door. So that definitely has helped me too. Yeah. Yeah, because for the, the people watching or listening, the, the proximity in drifting, I suppose you could compare it to really good race craft like a um, – an over under sort of pass remover or drafting, you know, it takes races years to get really confidence to stick a nose in the back of a car without having that contact and drifting. It's the same thing. You got to know when to lay off and get back on to, to switch and give the lead car room to transfer if you're following. So to see how you've accelerated in that so quick. Oh uh, yeah. So onto the, uh, the I racing or e racing side of it. And you obviously a set of courses, the platform of choice for drifting. It's, just a better platform to use for that stuff. What is, what's your favorite stuff there? What are you doing there? Who are you jamming with? Cause you com- you're doing a lot of competitions I see online and you're doing really well in some of the hosted stuff. So, yeah. So what's, yeah, what's your, yeah, what's so your I'm there? sitting on my sim rig right now. Uh, yeah. So pretty much um, with who normally who I drift with uh, is not only most of the Aussie guys. So, um, there's a, well, a community called Aussie Drifco. Uh, they also host the comps that I made to compete in. Uh, I normally hang with a couple of those, but I've also got a lot of friends from over like in Europe, America, so on, so on. So I'm aiming to compete in the VDC, which is the Virtual Drift Championship, which is pretty much the Formula Drift of um, like the, well, the internet world. So... That's where I'm aiming to go, but right now I'm currently in uh, the ADC, Australasian Drift Comp, uh, which is still a very high caliber of driving, mm-hmm. and that is it's really fun to do. Yeah, killing it. So you, you've obviously got tons going on. So you, you're rebuilding your pro car to, to, to another level again to, to go over east and, and take on you know, some of the, the guys over there. And man, some of my favorite drivers. So that's the high-tech series you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. So you're yeah, awesome. So, um, yeah, I got really good. So, Danny and, and from up in Darwin, he drives, and you got Mitch, you got um, Pat that's come down to Perth a couple of times, just really good mates from, from time there. So, that, yeah. yeah, and you got, uh, yeah, some really good drivers over there. So, you're going to be, yeah, you'll slay it. That's cool. So, yeah. yeah. So, you, you're flat out building that, you're building your, your practice car. You're getting as much, because I'm always seeing your dad's always posting videos, so you're getting heaps of track time and still um, flat out trying to find a job. Um, you're an 18-year-old dude. Like, are you single? Are you taken? Do we tell all the ladies to get on your Tinder? Um, how do you make time for it? Or is it just you're that focused? You're like every other single-minded racer. You're just caring about getting out and tiring cars. Um, right now, uh, I've got a bunch of friends, but I not necessarily actively searching for a relationship right now i'm still like really in the mindset of trying to improve trying to get better like obviously i'm always going to have time for friends and all that but i think right now i'm not fully 
invested in a relationship, like just time wise and commitment wise. Um, I'm always open to do anything, but just right now, my drifting is my number one focus. There's a there's a friend that's a girl out there with a broken heart right now. I can feel it. <laughs> the um so that's the focus to do that next. So Australia comps next. What's the five year plan for Luke Versman Drift? Five year plan, obviously, this is obviously to go pro, like European Drift Masters or something. That's the aim. Um, it will it would be feasible if I, we had the money. But right now in Australia, it's hard to get that amount of money to go across the world to compete. Um, so obviously, we need to get a lot of sponsors on board to do so. Uh, we can't necessarily do it off our own back. But that, that's the five-year plan, to go to European Drift Masters or something along, along the lines of that. Wicked. That's, that's a pretty good, pretty good plan. Um, so you're still going to do the WA local series in between yep. competing areas? Yeah, wicked. Yeah, so that's why I'm building the red car. So obviously it's gonna be a practice car, but I wanna <clears throat> I wanna get it to a standard where I can sort of uh do a little bit of competition here, but mainly just fun events. Cool. No, that's that's wicked. Oh, I'll hand you back over to, to Shane. I hopefully I wasn't too harsh on you. Um no so uh yeah, thank you very much, dude. Stoked to talk to you. Oh no one oh, okay. no, I do have one more thing yeah. I wanted to ask. It's more about your old man. So your dad is like the happiest guy at the track. Is he like that at home? Um, most of the time, yes. It, it, being at home, uh, we're currently moving house and all that, so it is stressful. So sometimes, um, obviously, parents can't be always perfect. Sometimes he gets angry, which sometimes that's my personal fault. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm probably not the best child to have, but I try to do my best always and help him out wherever I can. But we always we have a good relationship on the track and off the track oh man i can't wait till my boys are old enough where they're competing and they're being competitive you know they're, they're being great at their sport and uh i can be as stoked as your dad is on it i can't wait for that moment yeah definitely it's it's, it's great fun having the father-son relationship at the track oh yeah the man. Track. he's he's awesome to have there so brent have you got that are you single question out of your out of your off your chest and done? Oh, no, that... I think I think we put it in there now because <laughs> I, I think that's just going to be a standard question for all drivers. Like, I, I did have the do you do anything weird before you go out? Have you got a weird ritual? But I think it's like, man, drivers are so focused on racing. Maybe it's good to get out to the world that um, relationships come second fiddle to building race cars. <laughs> and then I... when you get married and you get into these these discussions with loved ones, it becomes. You know, you've already set the precedence. It's out there in the media now. Race cars come first. <laughs> so you have kids, and then kids come first. Like, I don't, you know, don't think, don't think it works that way, buddy. Um, well, that's, a, <laughs> that's if you find someone that actually says the same passion or the passion as you, that's always the best thing. But yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty lucky. My wife is, um, she's amazing. She's got her toy car. She's got a pretty sweet weekender. Um, she's just not competitive about motorsports. And she doesn't want to compete. And if she competed, she'd be 10 times better than me because she's so much more focused than I am. <laughs> so, yeah. But no. So, um, rituals, you do, you're not going to ask the rituals question? No, I reckon the, I reckon the uh, uh, are you single questions far better yeah. and far more embarrassing. No, nah, I'm going to go with the rituals question. So, usually Brent will ask, 
if you have any rituals that you do or superstitions behind it. So, for instance, Garth Tander used to always wear these green socks in his carding days until he had a rollover and then he stopped wearing the green socks because, you know, he thought they were his lucky socks. So, you know, uh, Madeline Stewart, you know, she... Sorry? He used the same toilet every time, the same toilet store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Mad- Madeline Stewart does the uh, with the gloves and oh, yeah. the yeah. So, so do you have? Oh, and Laura had the guilty do? pleasure dance. Yeah, so mine's probably not as crazy as them, but um, oh, I always put like when it comes to putting boots, socks on, or the, I always put my left hand side on first. The only time I didn't ever do that is pretty much when it lost me the championship in round one at the Outlaws series. So that's pretty unfortunate for me, but pretty much putting everything on first on the left-hand side gives me luck, I guess. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah. uh, if any of the competitors want to beat you, you just need to <laughs> say, no, no, you, you put it on the right side. Put it on the right side. But, yeah. I feel like some of my boots and gloves are going to be missing on the left-hand side. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna have plenty in the trailer. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, if you, so you know, if you've if you've ever missing all your left boots and left gloves, you know it's probably Brent playing a bit of a trick on you. So yeah, that's what he likes to do. Apparently, well, he's 18 now. He can do shoeies out of them as well. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that's true. He could. He could. He could. Um, now, drift isn't necessarily a team sport as such and I know some people will go but yes it is you got your pit crew and everyone else but when you're in the car you know you're not swapping drivers and anything like that but if you could have someone to give you advice on the you know if you had a radio in the car and you could have anyone on the other end of that radio to give you advice about motorsport be it drifting or any other form of motorsport, who would that be? Any, anyone inside motorsport, outside motorsport, doesn't necessarily have to be a drifter, could be anyone. Would you Would you have someone? Honestly, I, th- I think I have to go with my dad. He's the most critical person in this world. He, If I make one mistake and other people stand perfect, he, he points out every single little mistake I do. He's He's very critical and that's what I actually appreciate. Like when he's over the radio telling me what to do between battles, I take it and I use it because he, I know he won't like sugarcoat it. He'll tell me what I did wrong and how I messed up. So I think that's a very important thing to do. You can't necessarily give the person that's like competing sort of hope that they did really well. If they didn't, you got to be fully honest with them and tell them what they needed to do. That is the cool. coolest response I've had yet. Yeah, that is cool. I think uh, I think I think I'm all out and centered. I love out and centered, but I think I'm all out and centered out. Yeah, um, like you could you could have anyone as a spotter, but you still want someone that's going to say, "No, you suck." You know, you did that wrong. Yeah, yeah that is smart. Yeah, well, back in my RC drift days, um, one competition in qualifying. The two judges just gave me a hundred, and my dad gave me ninety nine. So he's so critical. <laughs> no matter what yeah. I can do, I can never be perfect. So <laughs> just 
but yeah, it's good, definitely. Okay, RC drifting. For people that don't know what it is, obviously it's remote control drifting. How do you drift a remote control car? Um, That's not a hard question to answer because obviously it's with a remote in your hand, uh, like just pretty much holding it and then twisting a little wheel with your basically right hand if you're right-handed. But it's it's sort of a weird sort of thing to think about because you're controlling a car going around a track with a, ha- a handheld device, but, and you're put, like pinpointing that car to tap walls, hit certain clips. It's, it's very, it's a weird concept, but I got really good at it. I was a two time state champion and I never qualified below a 90. So I did pretty well. Hmm. So what's harder, RC drifting or actually drifting a real car? Um, I think, Actually, drifting real car is probably harder because there's so many other factors involved with drifting a real car. But I think RC drifting taught me a lot of uh, good skills when it came to drifting, like the fluidity of cars and like the placement of cars, which is, I think that's a good thing. So Now, outside of your dad, who you've mentioned has been a massive, massive influence for you, um, and he has absolutely hounded me to get you onto this uh, podcast. <laughs> I'll take that back. He sent me only three messages. Um, <laughs> That's heaps less than other people, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, really polite about it. It wasn't a demand. It was like, hey, is there any chance you can get Luke on? And, um, yeah, and, and I had said a few times, you know, I really want to catch up and do something with you guys because, yeah. um, you know, the father-son thing at a racetrack is pretty awesome. You know, any any parents child thing at a racetrack is awesome um but outside of him who's been uh some of your biggest supporters slash sponsors um in the supporters obviously my family my grandparents come down to almost every single event that i do so they obviously give me a great ton of support and i'm really uh, grateful and appreciative to that um, my mum uh, tries to come down as much as she can too, so it's good to see her coming down. Um, <laughs> with my sponsors, um, there's a lot of sponsors. I've just got two sponsors on board recently. Uh, what's called Modified Cast in Australia and Aussie Jifco. So they both have come on board for the uh, for 12 months, so pretty much the remainder of the 2020 season. Um, but obviously there's heaps of people that's stuck with me through drag racing and then just new to drifting. Uh, one of my longest supporters is Creative Driveways, uh, Johnny McSweeney. He's supported me pretty much 10 years of my life so far. So he's probably one of the biggest supporters and the ones I'm most close to. But there's so many people I can thank for and contribute my success towards. Okay. So behind you on your shelf, you've got some pretty cool memorabilia and slash trophies. What's what one is your favorite one behind you? Uh, probably here. I'll lift this up so you can see the majority of them. Holy so, hell! Now, show, you, show Shane one of the trees because they are like. If, even if you're if, not into drag uh, racing, if you're not actually yeah, not actually right. watching this episode. Right and there. you are listening through Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes. Jump over to YouTube uh, or Facebook and look us up. 
and have a look at this this young fella's massive collection of trophies he just showed us because that is impressive. So, yeah. Okay, so show, show us one of these uh, trees you've got. I can't necessarily get up right now, but here, let me botch this setup real quick. <laughs> I've got a really weird setup holding my laptop up right now. So, but the tree, pretty much, my dad's got one, but he didn't race for his. He was a crew chief on, again, Johnny McSweeney, um, crew chief on his team for a very long time, and they won a Christmas tree together. So that's uh, how he got that Christmas tree. And then I won mine in Alice Springs. So I'm going to get up here real quick. Yep. And then I'll grab my one here. So this is my tree. So that's my Christmas tree that I won in Alice Springs. Holy crap. So it's silver plated. It's very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and this is my dad's one, which is a gold one. It's quite older, but it's... Very heavy yeah, too, wow. but I've collected majority of these trophies here are from uh, my drag racing career. So, but a couple of them are from drifting. Now, um, the drifting give out novelty size checks, or was or was that something else? Um, they D one W A, I believe, did it quite a while ago. They for the uh, championship, okay. they always handed out money, but Normally, people don't do it so much anymore. Mainly prizes and like trophies and all that. So, yeah. Bugger. That'd be really cool to have. <laughs> there are one, one in the front of the trailer, Shane. Big one. Yeah? On the, wall, on the roof, yeah. You have to sit next time. Yeah, right. Next time, invite me back to your trailer. Boris. Yeah, bloody Boris. All right. Well, look, I think that's coming towards the end of our chat with you, young fella. Um, yeah. When are you out on track next? Uh, the next time I'm on track is round two, which is 4th of July. So that'll be the round two of the Drift West series. So hoping to come out with another win, but we'll see. There's a lot of really tough competitors. Got uh, many practice sessions lined up? Uh, we went practicing like three weeks ago and we we're pretty much just getting the car ready for uh, this weekend coming up for... Uh, what's called Mr. Lux, Lux Performance here's event. So we're going to get put it on show at Racecraft Simulations. Fingers so that's uh, that'll be the racing for MNDI event, uh, which is on in Perth, Western Australia, this Saturday, um, the 27th? 7th. Yep. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so that's cool. You'll be having your car down there. There's uh, sprint cars. There's going to be all sorts of cars down there. Um, any word on that drag car yet? Is that going to happen, Brent? No, I've got to, the, the weather's not looking the greatest, so oh, it's, it's not something you're going to want to sit out in the, sit out in the weather. Um, and but we just yeah. So um, I've got a very good friend of mine, Dita. He's organising the display part of it, so he'll be if he hasn't been in touch with your old man Luke already. Um, he will be soon. He's he's making sure everyone's going to be turning up on time and, and doing all that good stuff. Um, really looking forward to it, though. It's going to be um, going to be cool. Like I said, it was just a dumb idea. Um, it's just turned into something awesome. We've 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 raised a lot of money for MNDI, um, and it's just it's just a good good reason to get out. You know, 
Um, everything's really good in WA at the moment. We're lucky we can get out. Um, it'll be the first night that clubs and pubs and everything go full retard open again. Um, so we'll probably kick on afterwards. And, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. And uh, Luke will be able to join us. Yeah, Luke yes. will be able to join us. Yeah, <laughs> I, sh- I should be there for majority of the time. So, yeah, it should be good fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, look- I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's for a good cause. There'll be some really cool cars. Um, some a bit of everything. So we've got drift cars. We've got some really high-end circuit cars. We've just got some cool um, target style cars. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good, man. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us. And um, we look forward to seeing where you go from here. Um, you know, being such a young, young fellow, you've got a long time ahead of you to... <laughs> to uh continue on you know when you got some of the older fellas that you know like brent that still drift and yeah shows that age age isn't going to be a factor um just being a rubbish driver like brent's going to be a factor um <laughs> and <laughs> i'm glad we're not in the same room tonight um, oh, no, it's true. i was man my yeah i never won uh no street class once i went one uh, a couple of street class hero trophies but yeah, drifting is to, to, at the level that Luke's at and, and the pros these days, the cars are that fast. The driving is that violent. It is um, it is hard, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, age isn't a limitation, man. There's guys older than me out there kick, kicking it now. Uh, you look at the um, D1JP guys. You look at some of the American guys. Um, age isn't a thing. Uh, Danny up in Darwin. Danny's uh, he's only a couple of years older than me. I've got another mate in Queensland that's only a couple of years older than me. Um, yeah, no. Uh, look at Daddy Dave Gordon, man. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. He's, he's a very another spot. He's very, very consistent and good. Yeah, and he didn't come into it, you know. He's, he's not like me where that was drifting was starting off when he was getting into that stage of his life where he's starting to do dumb stuff in cars. So, yeah, man, anyone can pick it up. And it's just a, it's what I like about it is it's so frustratingly hard to be perfect. Yeah. You, know? you can almost never be perfect. There's always going to be imperfections. Yeah. So let's, yeah. All right. Um, if you want to see what Luke's up to, make sure you check out his uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, do you have a YouTube channel yet? I do, but I haven't uploaded much yet, but I am planning on doing it soon. So yeah, cool. I know a media guy that you guys can uh, hit up and you know, maybe sponsorship or uh, just pay yeah. him to come and do some work for you. But, um, you know, yeah. you never know. Heaps of them out there. Um, yeah. We were saying the other day, you know, like at the moment, you know, a lot of drivers need to get their acts together and really push what they're up to to get the general public interested, you know, and there's so many cool guys out there doing guys and girls doing media stuff at the moment. Um, you know, like DJ Lavish is like obviously the drift king of uh, videos and media and that you've got the extreme limit yeah. guys. Um, yeah. You've got. Um, 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 well, Ash Westwood. Yeah. And then like to look internationally, there's one, there's a couple that I watch religiously, like Taylor Ray He's an American guy in Florida um, he's not a pro. He hasn't got millions of dollars. He hasn't got these massive rigs following him around. He's, he's wrenching on his own stuff. But for some reason, I really like his, what he puts out. And I think, Luke, like, 
his gear is not even as good as some of the gear you've got. So if you just put a video up of you doing toe changes or mucking around with trying to find out why something's binding up or figuring something out in the car or just dumping the donk in it, people <laughs> want to see that. Cause like it's, yeah. we, you get so desensitized by how cool your stuff is that you don't realize that to the average person, just having a second car or having a track car is, is beyond, beyond the means. It's just the way the world is. Um, but then to be putting an LSA into an S13, yeah, in drifting, we think it's just a common thing and everyone does it. But the truth is not everyone does. And, and people yeah. want to see what it's all about and yeah, see that average normal guys can do it if they just get focused and get into it. Yeah, and the, and the father-son dynamic as well is, you know, something that's really, you know, looks really cool on, you know, to, to you know, show people that, you know, you, you don't have to be like the the old teddles on American Chopper and throw stuff at each other. Yeah. And, you know, you can actually work on cars and, you know, be involved with motorsport and do cool stuff without without being those guys. Um, yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I was an American Chopper tragic. I used to love watching that. Um, but you know, it's, it's uh, it doesn't you know, have strange, to be all Hollywood, just, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I definitely want to get into the sort of the vlogs and stuff like uh, we're building the red car. I've definitely got the content. I just got to find the means of editing it and recording it. Right now, I haven't got like an actual camera. I've only got my phone. So, uh, but yeah. So I definitely want to get into it more. I just got to do it pretty much. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a saying is that uh, your best camera is the one that you've got. Yeah. If your best <laughs> yeah, you camera go. is a mobile phone and it does 4K, that's your best camera. Yeah, if yeah. it does you know full HD, that's your best camera. Yeah, some of the work I do, I do on mobile phones. Yeah, like because that's that's the perfect camera I have at the time is is a mobile phone, you know, and that yeah, there's uh, some stuff, you know, like some of the drifting stuff I've done. Uh, the video that uh, I'm going to chuck up at the end of this from uh, round two at the car club over the weekend, uh, about 50% of that was actually done on mobile phone uh, in a stabilizer. You know, so, you, you know, there's a beautiful stabilizer, which I recommend to everyone. And uh, they're not paying me any money to say this, but it's a DJI uh, Osmo Pocket. Um, not pocket, sorry, that's the actual camera. So DJI Osmo, it's a, it's a cool little thing. I don't actually have it handy. Um, 150 bucks or something like that. And you put your mobile phone in it and all of a sudden you got stable video um, and it looks wicked. I definitely might have to get that. <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah. um, I'll send you a link afterwards. But um, yeah, you know, and, that, and that's the sort of stuff, you know, like you don't need to go out and buy... Yeah, thousands of dollars of equipment. You know, if you've got a mobile phone, chuck it in a stabilizer and a gimbal. Um, you know, get a microphone, attach it to it as well. And, you know, for a few hundred bucks, you can have a wicked setup you know, yeah. to do your own videos. Yeah, well, right now we do have an intro being made for my YouTube channel. So I definitely am taking the steps to get more into YouTube. I, yeah, cool. I, I am very involved with the Instagram stuff. I do post a lot of stories about that build. And I've got a whole page about that. Yep. But yeah, I definitely want to start transitioning over to more YouTube because that is a better future in that than Instagram. What's your uh, Instagram handle? Uh, Luke V541. Fantastic. 
All righty. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll catch up with you later on and uh, we will be back right after this. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thanks, man. And that was the young gun, Luke Vesma. Um, really cool kid. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, make sure you check out all his stuff he's up to. Um, yeah, he seems pretty keen to get on board with you know, doing some more you know, video yeah, stuff, yeah. which is, you know, like, as I said last episode, you know, that's, that's what everyone's got to do. You know, that's, and, that's, and I think you know, the fact that he's got sponsors that have been with him for 10 years now, and is still with him, and he signed up new sponsors uh, through this period. Um, just shows, you know, what what people are thinking of him, and the, you know, the, mm. the exposure that he's going to, the return they think they're going to get out of him. So, yeah, man, if he's yeah, he's just he's just a switched on kid. He's he's really cool. Um, like eighteen years old, I was nowhere near that that smart, you know. <laughs> You know, like to, to come on and, and have a chat and, and string a sentence together and, and not just be, a, you know, a bit hyper. He's just a cool dude. Yeah. You know? And Since I think he's a lot um, the family, you know. So I think he's another one that we've just popped their uh, podcast cherry. And <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, like they're getting messages uh, either afterwards or uh, just before they come on saying, oh, I've actually never been on a podcast before. And but uh, yeah, that's and that's pretty cool, you know. Especially at some of the level of the guys and girls that we're getting on that are saying that. So um, yeah, and I think everyone actually enjoys it. And like I say, man, it just people want to see real people talk about real stories um, and genuine. Just be genuine, and and like you say, everyone has to do it if we've got any hope in keeping local level awesome motorsport going. Yeah, um, you know, and. Like on the weekend, we didn't have any spectators, but the amount of photos going out from the event, some of the media is going out, the club's putting out their own stuff, which is just really cool to see. Um, if everyone jumps on that and likes it and shares it and tell their mates and feeds back to the club that, hey, cool, I couldn't come to the event. I'm not, instead of being the keyboard warrior, bashing the keyboard because I'm a frustrated idiot that couldn't go to the event and probably wouldn't have gone anyway. How about you tell the club that the event was cool and that the photos you're seeing of the, you know, the, the, just general stuff in the pits and um, volunteers having a good time and just some wicked battles on track and action shots and stuff. If people just feed that back and say, this is cool, this is what we want to see and share it, then it, it pays back tenfold. People see a return. Yeah, and look, I, I think... Know, maybe um, I'm just selfish and I just get too, too turned on about motorsport, but <laughs> that's, people don't realize that if, if that's what we've got, if that's what the spectators get to see in this current messed up situation, then tell people that this is cool and we want to see more of it. Yeah. And look, I think, um, you know, when you look at when you're getting to the level, you know, even like supercars and all that, and they, and they still, even though they got, you know, even with spectators there normally, you know, they're still pumping out a lot of content. And if you get more drivers involved and more series, you know, categories, you know, the grassroots level, getting involved and pumping it out. Um, you know, the the interest, yeah, will come back. You know, it's just... Absolutely. You know, the, when you got the main, you know, the, the, the old media that still doesn't put yeah. anything out unless, you know, there's an accident. Um, yeah, that, that yeah. doesn't help motorsport. 
Um, but yeah, look, I think the weekend at the track was really cool. Um, I will have to agree with Brent and say that I was actually really turned on by what I saw over the weekend. Um, the bump drafting, paint swapping, like between drivers, um, with the exception of one, was all fair racing. It was all fantastic. Um, you know, the, the happy smiles between you know, the competitors in the pits, just happy to be back. Um, I spent a bit of time wandering the pits, having a chat with a few people. Everyone was really happy to be back. Um, I was happy to be back. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, West Australia is in a very, very fortunate position where we can go racing. Um, and as of this weekend, uh, more restrictions have been lifted. But as you said in the intro, it still comes back to the licensing body of the, of the track to, to approve restrictions being lifted. Um, yeah, and hopefully they'll do the right thing. Um, and then we get to see, you know, spectators back and, and hopefully they'll have a you know, new, new appreciation for what, what they've been missing out on for the last uh, three, four months. Um, you know, Victoria was just about gearing up to go racing again. I've uh, been keeping an eye on Phillip Island because um, yeah, that was one of my, my uh, visits this year was actually scheduled for Phillip Island. And uh, unfortunately, um, they've now got into a position uh, where they can't go racing now. Um, so, yeah, so WA is very, very lucky at the moment. Um, yeah, South Australia has, uh, despite their fantastic efforts through all this, uh, Supercars has actually taken them off the calendar. Um, hopefully, now that Victoria is not an option, they might rethink their decision and go back to the bend. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. But uh, definitely locally, um, yeah, we're in a really good position now. So hmm. everyone's going to make the most of it. Yep. Nothing but good news, man. Like I said, just to be back at the track to see to catch up with the the people that make it happen to so all the volunteers and and the officials and staff at WASC. But then like the the vendors, you know, you see it's Stewie there from Stereotized doing all the Formula V tyres and historics, you know, changing tyres for everyone. Um, you know, see him, see Brett up at fast lane, flat out with cars in there. Oh, he was a madman on the weekend, the amount of, like, yeah, just flying everywhere so, doing stuff, that dude. Yeah, so he's got a good team in there. So it's just good to see that, yeah, that, that passion and competitiveness. And, yeah, like, to me, the, the saloon car racing on the weekend turned like, turn me on. Like, the Formula V's put on a good show. The XL's put on some just fast times there. Young yeah. Jack was was flat out. That was impressive to see him come out swinging. But and it was good to see some maturity yeah. uh, come and back into it. that category for a couple of the drivers that have been a bit Loose. not so mature with their racing. Yeah, so that was that was cool to see. But, yeah, Saloons, saloons put on a hell of a show with the two, two grids, so they had that yeah. many numbers. Um, and then the IP guys combined with the AUVTs. That was good racing, man. And those cars are quick. You know, yeah. people get desensitized by supercar type times, but anything below 65 around barbs is fast. 
And yep. and those guys were they weren't holding back. Three up through the S's is that's close. That's good racing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got some there's some wicked footage I saw come out of a good battle pack up the front, um, you know, through that S's and it's just yeah, that's wicked to see. It takes balls to do that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, next time they go racing is in uh, July over here. Um, two days. So that should hopefully mean all the categories are out racing. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the HQs back on track. Yeah, uh, the uh, Radicals and F1000s, of course. Keen to uh, see the new and Radicals. Street cars are back as well. Yep. So that should be pretty cool. Yep, I've even got, yeah, uh, Andy at Hyperdrive has given mine a tickle up. New bottom end in it, new gearbox in it, new sump on it, new hairdryer on it. She's, uh, I'm coming out swinging for streetcars. So you'll, uh, so you'll be out on the grid this time? Uh, not sure if we'll get all the parts in time for this one, but um, we're, we're aiming for it. Uh, and okay. the XL's got the Enduro, so worst case, might jump in a seat there. So Yeah, cool. Yeah. Might have to uh, put a voice recorder in your uh, car and... Oh, just jiggles, man. You get, get me you in do car, some commentary around the uh, track as we oh, go. No, I, I get the giggles on, you know. And then <laughs> when you're in a proper battle, it is, man, it's stressful. Like those saloon guys, the three up through the S's here, you know, Brendan Sharp and that through there, that bit of footage I saw of that. And I watched a bit of it from, from turn one. And, man, that that is intense through there. Like I've, I've been there, but that those guys are doing it for lap after lap and three up through there. It's... Man, if you've got a weak heart, don't don't jump in that pack. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it twists the most average person off trying to do that. Yeah. So, um, got me all rolled up now. I'm excited. <laughs> so, I don't know if you, I, I've got to um, actually mention this. There is a Holden at the moment that's uh, up for auction, and they reckon it's going to actually crack through the $1 million mark for a car that's, uh, you know, for a Holden that's uh, never, never been done. I think the, I think they've reached about the half million before, um, but they've never actually. Um, what is it like a genuine crack, crack the race mill? car or a wild Monaro or something? Or? So it is a, um, and I should know this cause I wrote an article about this today. Um, and of course, I just completely forgot the details because um, <laughs> that's the sort of guy I am. Uh, it is a 1969 Holden HT Monaro, um, oh, yeah. and it is, I believe, the first one that came off the assembly line uh, and basically uh, helped the Holden dealer team. Uh, in the 70s and 80s uh, to get some racing dominance. So, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it'd be worth some money, man. Especially if it's number one. And, the, you know, these cars are worth so much now, so the, the dollar value to restore them is irrelevant. You know, you spend 50 grand on a resto, 100 grand on a resto, it's irrelevant compared to the overall price of the cars. So, yeah. And look, the, uh, the actual... Um, car is in beautiful condition um yeah so it's uh, and comes with a lot of history paperwork and all sorts of stuff but yeah it's uh 
It's, uh, yeah, definitely the first ever Holden dealer team, Monaro. So, wicked. We've um, got um, Peter Callow's bringing his HQ Monaro track car on the weekend, which is a very, very, I don't know if you saw the photos I put up, but it is a very, very beautiful car. It's, yep. you know, P- Peter's got uh, some, some amazing toys, but uh, this one is, yeah, it's nice. I'm not even much of a Holden guy, and this thing is, yeah, I'd happily put it in my living room, let alone drive it. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to finish up there. Uh, our, for our lovely people that watch this video, you will be able to now see the uh, highlights from round two at WA Sporting Car Club over the weekend. Um, and if you are listening on Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes or um, Google Podcasts, uh, you are now going to hear a lovely song. So, cool. yeah. Next week we have um, – who do we have? We have Ken Collier from oh. ARG. Uh, wow. He is the um, – business manager and category manager uh, over there. So he's also the events manager for the Bathurst International, uh, which is just getting bigger and bigger every week. Um, Four-day event at the end of the year. So he'll be on next week to chat about that. Um, we'll also ask him, obviously, about some S5000 stuff and whatever else. Yes, but, uh, yeah, he'll be one. joining us next week. Um, yeah. That's it. Can't wait. Thank Episode you. Episode 12, done and dusted. Thank you very, very much, man. Until next week.